to the 23rd Psalm. Praise the Lord. The 23rd Psalm, very familiar scripture. Praise the Lord. And we're going to go ahead and get that up on the screen, praise God. Psalm 23, stanza 1. And uh, in fact, if you don't have your Bible, which I don't know why you wouldn't, but if you don't have your Bible, praise God, look at the screen, the scripture's up there. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How many of you actually believe that? Amen. Now let me ask you again, how many of you actually believe it, that? Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest mine head with oil, my cup runneth over surely. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Go back to stanza one, please. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Tonight, I'm going to be ministering on this subject, making God your only source. Amen. I'm going to be ministering on making God your only source. Making God your only source source. Now, all of us were created by God with purpose. Every last one of us. God created you with a purpose. In fact, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1 that we are made in the image and likeness of God. And of course, uh, Adam and Eve were the first man and woman that was created in the earth. And of course, we know that God uh, put them eastward in the garden. The Bible says to dress it and to keep it. And so there was a responsibility that they had in the earth and then he told them to be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth. So he needed man to not only uh, guard and protect the garden and to develop it, but he also needed man, praise God, to continue moving forward. When you reproduce, praise God, that means you are procreating, you are actually multiplying, and you are actually making bigger or greater. That is what God wanted Adam to do in the garden. He wanted Adam to expand the garden, praise God, from where he was. You start here and you expand out. God still expects man to be fruitful and to multiply. God still expects man to be productive. And when he created every last one of us, he created us with a purpose. Amen. And throughout the course of our lives, he's going to give every one of us different assignments in order to carry out that purpose. Uh, God's purpose for our lives is God's will for our lives. So there are differing assignments that God will give you along the way, praise God. The assignment may not necessarily always be the same. I'll give you an example. You may be a person that's called uh, to missions. And when I say missions, I'm not talking about you necessarily have a five-fold ministry calling. God may have put a burden in your heart for missions, okay? And the first assignment that he may give you might be at a local pantry. You got it? That's an assignment. That assignment then may advance itself from a local pantry to a place like Salvation Army, okay, where they're actually, you know, not only just feeding people, but they're also housing the homeless and things of that nature. And then God may expand you to do uh, something like go with the Red Cross, where you actually go to disaster sites and that you minister and you'll be a blessing to people like that. He may do all of that stuff. Then God may call you to become a part of a nursing home ministry in a church. 
So all of that is really just preparation for your ultimate purpose, and that's to go to some foreign country somewhere and to be a missionary for the Lord Jesus Christ. But along the way of fulfilling your purpose, God will give you varying assignments, praise God, in order to do that. All that's preparation. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I never thought that I would be doing what I'm doing right now. I'm in my purpose, and I know it. There's no question about it. I'm in my purpose. But uh, who, would have, who would have ever known that, uh, you know, almost 30 years ago, praise God, that I would be doing what I'm doing now? I would have never imagined it. Y'all know that my, my goal and my vision was to become a physician, and I did that, praise God. And it was God's grace that allowed me to do it, but that was a part of his purpose. That was an assignment that God gave me, praise God, for what I'm doing now. It was just preparation to get me to this place where I am right now. And so I'm very, very thankful to him for that. Uh, but one of the things that we got to understand is that whenever God gives us an assignment, he has already supplied the resources that we need. Let me say that again. Anytime God gives us an assignment, he has already provided the resources that we need in order to carry it out. How do you know that, Bishop? The reason I know that is because in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, he says he's given us everything that pertaineth unto life and godliness, right? Amen. In Ephesians 1 and 3, he says he hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, he says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So for whatever assignment that God has given you, he has already supplied the resources that you need in order to carry it out. Not only has God already supplied the resources that you need, he's already provided the power that you need, the ability that you need, the capability that you need. It's already been provided for you. The moment he says, this is your assignment, what comes along with that, praise God, once you receive it and accept it, is the power to get it done and the resources that are necessary in order to make it happen. Amen. Now, most times when God gives us an assignment, we don't see how we'll have the resources to do it. <laughs> okay? We don't see how we can see. We don't see how we can, uh, we don't see how we're going to get the resources in order to carry out what God gives us to do because God's assignment is always bigger than what you can do. Y'all real quiet. I, I'm, I'm assuming y'all listening. Okay. God's assignment is always bigger and more than the resources that you have available and what you and your own self have the ability to do. Amen. I have never been given an assignment by God that I could do. Never. I've never been given an assignment from God that I had the resources when he said it to do it. I'm talking about tangible resources in my hand. Now I had them spiritually because we just read he's given us everything that pertains unto life and godliness. He, all, he just, we just read, praise God, or we just, you just heard me quote, that God's going to supply every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So it should not surprise us if God gives us something to do that we have no ability to do. In the natural. It shouldn't surprise us that God gives us an assignment to carry out, watch this, that we don't have ample resources tangibly and in the natural in order to make it happen. Amen. So we can't see it in most instances, watch this, and we don't know how it's going to happen, and we don't need to. 
You've heard me say many times in this church, God reveals things to us on a need-to-know basis. Until you need to know, he won't reveal it to you. Amen. You've also heard me say many times that when God has given you an assignment, he never gives you the full gamut of what he is he wants you to do. He always gives you step one, and when you take step one, then he gives you step two. You take step, step two, then he gives you step three. You won't know, praise God, beyond obeying what God tells you to do right now. Amen. Let me say it again. You won't know other than what God tells you to do right now. And when you do what he tells you to do right now, praise God, and he supplies you what you need to do, what he said right now, that obedience will then lead God to give you the step number two. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. It doesn't work any other way in the kingdom of God. And if you're trying to work it any other way in the kingdom of God, and you want God to reveal all this stuff to you on the front end, look at me right now. You're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> that is not how our Father operates. Amen. So because we don't know, praise God, there's some things that we can do, praise God, that will keep our minds steady during this period of time. What's the first thing we got to do? Write this down. We must not lean to our own understanding. We don't have to know how God is going to do it. We must not lean to our own understanding. Y'all know Proverbs 3 and 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to what? Talk to me. Lean not to thine own understanding. Amen. So you don't need to know. All you need to know is that I have a word from the Lord. Amen. That's all you need to know. I have a word from the Lord, so I don't need to know anything other than the word that God has given me. Now, I want you to go now to Numbers chapter 23. Numbers 23. Let me say, we saying a whole lot, but he hasn't been to the Bible much, but y'all know me. We're going there. We're going to spend a lot of time in the Bible. Now, in Numbers 23 and verse 19, you've heard this many times before. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Now, this next part of this verse is where I'm going to really focus, though, so you can get understanding. Because we, we hear a lot of times, you know, God is not a man he should lie, nor the son of man he should repent. But watch this next part. Have he said, and shall he not do it? Watch this. Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? You know what this says in a nutshell? It says, if God has spoken something to you, and you got the faith to believe it, receive it, speak it, act on it, watch this. He's going to make it good. Because to not make it good would make him a liar. And we just read the first part of that verse that says, God is not a man that he should what? Lie. He should lie. That's why you don't have to know how it's going to happen. You don't have to know how it's going to happen. All you need is a word from God regarding an assignment, praise God, and then make a decision that I'm going to obey that. And then what God has spoken, he's going to bring it to pass. So we can't lean to our own understanding. Now, Proverbs 14 and 12 says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man. In fact, put that up on the screen, please. Proverbs 14, verse 12. It says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man. Keep going. 
but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's a way that it seems right to a man. In other words, a man can look at things, have no idea exactly how God is going to do them, so he thinks he knows what to do. But how many of you know, anytime you start leaning to your own understanding, you are going to make an error. You're going to miss it every time. Anytime you start leaning to your own understanding and not listening to the Holy Spirit, you are going to make mistakes. Let me ask you a question. Is there anybody in here beside me who has made mistakes because you lean to your own understanding? That's everybody in here. Amen. If, if you didn't lift your hand, you are a man that you should lie. <laughs> and the son of man, go ahead and repent. Okay. The second thing, praise God, if we're going to make, if we're going to make God our only source, we must recognize whose we are. We must recognize whose we are. Amen. So whose are we? Jehovah Jireh. What does that mean? The Lord God that will provide. That's what he said to Abraham. He revealed himself to him as Jehovah Jireh. You know the ram in the bush? Y'all remember that? When he was getting ready to sacrifice his son Isaac, and that ram shows up in the bush. The Bible says that Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide himself an offering. So God will provide. So you must understand whose you are, whose am I? I, I belong to Jehovah Jireh. Amen. You got to know whose you are. Who am I? Who am I? Who do I belong to? El Elyon. El Elyon is the most high God. That's whose I am. I'm Jehovah Jairus, I'm El Elyon's, watch this, and I belong to El Shaddai. Well, what does El Shaddai mean? El Shaddai means the many-breasted one, the God that is more than enough, the all-sufficient one, which means that whatever I need, the all-sufficient one has. That's whose I am. Okay? So when you recognize whose you are, praise God, then you don't have to know exactly how it's going to happen. All you know is that you got a word from God regarding an assignment. You find yourself doing it and know that God, Jehovah Jireh, El Elyon, El Shaddai, is going to provide everything that you need to get it done. Amen. Thirdly, you must recognize who you are. See, once you recognize whose you are, in other words, once you recognize who you belong to, then you got to recognize who you are. Who are we? The Bible tells us in John 1.12, we are sons of God. Amen. In fact, put up John 1.12, please. In fact, John 1.12, while they're putting it up, I'm going to go ahead and quote it. It says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So once you make a decision to become a born-again believer, you become sons of God. Now, sons does not mean a male figure. Y'all get it? I can say sons and daughters of God, okay? So you got to recognize who you are. I am a son or a daughter of the Most High. That's who I am. Amen. 
Somebody say out loud, that's my identity. Okay, let's take it a step further. Not only are you sons of God, but the Bible also says in Romans 8 and 17, you are heirs of God and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what an heir is? An heir is one who is entitled to possess. <laughs> an heir is one who is entitled to possess something. I'm an heir of God. I'm an heir of Jehovah Jireh. I'm an heir of El Elyon, the Most High God. I'm an heir of El Shaddai. And as being an heir, praise God, I'm entitled to possess what my father owns. What does he own? A cattle on a thousand hills belong to the Lord. What does he own? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Come on, y'all. I got to know who I am. I have to change, watch this, the way I see myself. My identity is not, watch this, who my family is. My identity is wrapped up in what I am in Christ. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I got to know who I am. I'm a son of God. I'm an heir of God and join heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. Who else am I? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Write this down, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he hath made him to be sent for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you identify with that? Do you identify with the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Who all was here Sunday? Lift your hand. You're here Sunday. Y'all remember that illustration I did up here on Sunday? Remember that? Where you had God on one side, man on the other side, and Jesus in between? You see, when God tries to see me, he got, he got to see Jesus. You know why? Because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But it's not until you recognize that this is my identity that you begin to walk in that righteousness. Hallelujah. Righteousness is not what you do. Righteousness is who you are. <laughs> See, if you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you're going to want to obey God. If you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, praise God, you don't want to sin. You want to be pleasing to God. Did y'all get that? Amen. So, like I said, most times when God gives us an assignment, we don't see how we'll have the resources to get it done. To do everything God has called us to do. But when we don't lean down on understanding, we keep ourselves grounded. When we recognize whose we are and who we are, praise God, that changes everything. Because once my identity, once I know my identity in Christ Jesus, amen, the devil can't stop me. See, he wants us not to know who we are. If you don't know you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, guess what? Condemnation will come to you every time you even have a thought. Y'all get it? But the Bible says, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is now therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Right, right. 
for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you here are born again? Lift your hand. Amen. Say this out loud. Say, I'm free. I'm free. Say it again. I'm free. I'm free. Write this down. We must rely on God being our only source of supply. We must rely on God being our only source of supply. Now, once you have that written down, I want you to go to Psalm uh, 62nd Division. Psalm 62. We're going to put up stanza five. Psalm 62 and five. I said we must rely on God being our only source of supply. Look what the psalmist says in Psalm 62 and verse 5. Going all the way through verse 8. My soul, wait thou only upon God. Circle the word only in your Bible. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only, circle the word only, is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times. How many times? You people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for you. Pause and think about that. That's what Selah means. Pause and think about that. Think about what? Think about the fact that he's my salvation. Think about the fact that he's my rock. Think about the fact he's my refuge. Think about the fact he's my defense. Think about the fact, are y'all here? But it says, my soul wait thou only upon the Lord, for my expectation is from him. We got to rely on God being our only source of supply. We can never put our trust in man. Are y'all here? He's the only one that we can trust to come through at all times. Now go to Psalm 115. Now watch this. Psalm 115. Stands a nine. I said he's the only one that we can trust to come through. At all times. Psalm 115 stands at nine. Watch this, y'all. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Y'all look at me right quick. Keep that scripture up there, please. It says, trust in the Lord. He is their help and what? What is the shield used for? Protection, right? Trust in the Lord. He's the one that can help you, and he's the one that can protect you. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their protection or shield. Ye that fear the Lord. Anybody here fear the Lord? I'm not talking about being afraid, scared of the Lord. I'm talking about you reverentially fear God. In other words, praise God. You give him maximum respect, and you give him his due. Anybody here beside me like that? So it's talking to you here. You that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is your help and your shield. Lift both hands toward heaven right now and say, Father, Father I, thank you I thank you 
that I can trust in you as being my help and my protection. Making God your only source of help and protection. Glory to God. Now go over to Psalm 118. I'm talking about making God your only source. Psalm 118, stanza 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence where? Stanza 9. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in who? You know what princess literally means here? Human authorities, government. Y'all look at me. The Bible says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in welfare. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in food stamps. Y'all getting it? Amen. So why are we all up in arms about the government? The Bible says it's better to trust in the Lord. He is your help. And your what? Your shield, your protection. It's better to trust in him. Amen. I don't trust no man. Come on, y'all. I don't care who the president is. I don't trust no man. Hey, hello? I didn't trust Bill Clinton. I didn't trust Barack Obama. I don't trust Donald Trump. I don't trust none of these guys. They ain't my help and my shield. The Bible says it's better for me to trust where? In the Lord. Because he's the one that can help me, and he's the one that can protect me. Hallelujah. Amen. I said amen. There's too much reliance upon man in this country. Amen. The government was never intended to be the source of man. Welfare didn't start until after the Great Depression in 1929. You know why? Because people were having such a difficult time, and it was intended to be a, listen to this word, temporary. It was never intended to be a way of life. I know some of y'all mad at me, but that's all right. I'm going to tell it like it is. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Let your conscience be your guide. But believe it, your conscience is your spirit, man. All right. So now listen to this. I'm talking about making God our only source. And we show you that the Bible encourages us to do just that. Why is God to be your only source? Because Assignments that God gives you, man can't do it. God has to be the one that will do it. Are y'all listening to me? So let me show you, let me tell you, before I give you examples of people who trusted God as their only source, because I'm always going to give you examples in the Word of God of the principle. See, here at Word of Faith, we teach by precept and example. 
We give you a principle in the Word of God, then we give an example, whether it's a biblical example or a contemporary example. Praise God. And many times I'll use my own testimony to give you a contemporary example or the testimony of others who are people that live today. Amen. Because people have to understand and see that God is still God today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So write these down. When I make God my only source, he will bring about his favor in my life. I'll say that again. When I make God my only source, he will bring about his favor in my life. And we know what the definition of favor is here, word of faith. Favor is when God raises up somebody who will use their power, resources, ability, and influence just to help you. I'll say that again. Favor is when God will raise up somebody to use their power, resources, ability, and influence just to help you. So when God's favor comes upon your life, praise God, when you make God your only source, his favor will come upon your life. I ain't talking about a one-time deal either. I'm talking about there'll be a consistent pattern of favor that operates in your life on a consistent basis. Secondarily, when we make God our only source, he will defend us. We just read that. Thirdly, when we make God our only source, he will strengthen us. We just read that. Fourthly, when we make God our only source, he will provide for us. We read that earlier. And then lastly, when we make God our only source, he will protect us. So when we make him our only source, he'll bring favor in our lives, he'll defend us, he'll strengthen us, he'll provide for us, he'll protect us. Now, the Lord has, has always done this with me, and he's going to do it with you, too. And that is, at some point in time, the Lord is going to just flat out tell you, if you're listening, I don't want you depending on any man for anything. That does not mean that God's not going to send people, because that's a part of the favor of God, Right? But what he's saying is they can never be the source of the origin of my help. See, some people do things and they do things thinking I can do this because so-and-so will help me. Or if I do this, so-and-so will help me. Or if I do this, I know they'll help me. If I do this, I know my family will help me. If I do this, I know they'll help me. If I do this, I know they'll help me. We are never to enter into any endeavor particularly an assignment from God, are y'all listening to me, with the thinking that somebody's going to help me. God has to be our only source. The only source of our expectation has to be God. So I'm going to give you some examples tonight. No, I'm not going to probably be able to get through all of them, but I'm going to give you some examples tonight of People who decided to make God their only source of expectation. They decided to do that. And that's what you're going to have to do. Every one of us, we're going to have to decide to make God our only expectation. The Lord told me and Pastor Tony when we first started this ministry 22 years ago now. In January, it'll be 23 years. He said, I'm your source. You're not to depend on anybody else. Don't be asking people for stuff. 
I'm your source. Amen. And because we decided to take that stance, praise God, we were never looking cross-eyed at people like why they weren't helping us. Because can I give you a revelation? Even though God will place things on people's hearts, nobody's obligated to help you at all. Unless the Lord speaks to their heart to tell them to do it. Now they're obligated if they love God. Y'all getting it? Amen. So here's the first example. Let's go to Genesis chapter 14. Let's take a look at the first example of one who decided to make God their only source of expectation. Genesis chapter 14. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 14. And we're going to begin reading here at verse... Let's start at verse 14. Many of you know the story about uh, Abram and his nephew Lot. Lot ends up in Sodom. And Sodom... And Gomorrah, the Bible says, was one of the most wicked places that ever existed. All kind of ungodly things were going on there. And, uh, you know, Lot was never supposed to have been there in the first place, but he decided he wanted to separate. And he should have never been with Albert in the first place, I should say. But they separated because, you know, their substance became so great, like God said it would be, that the land could not contain both of them, so they ended up separating. Lot goes down to a place that is forbidden by God called Sodom, Okay. And he gets involved in all kinds of stuff. And, and uh, what happens is Sodom comes under attack. A war begins. Sodom and Gomorrah, they come under attack. And they're overthrown by a king called Kedor Laomer and three other kingdoms. Now, what happens, praise God, is, is uh, you know, they, take, they take Sodom. They take all the stuff that's in Sodom. And they even take Lot, Abram's nephew. So let's pick it up here at verse 14. In fact, just for, uh, just for easy reading, if you will, go to the New Living Translation, please. We're going to read the NLT. We're going to read all the way down through uh, verse 24. So we'll start there, read all the way down through verse 24. Look at the screen, y'all, up there. When Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized 318 trained men. Somebody say trained men. He didn't just take any man. He took 318 what? Trained. Trained men who had been born into his household. Then he pursued Kador Laomer's army until he caught up with them at Dan. There he divided his men and attacked during the night. Y'all, keep that scripture up there. How many men did he have? Come on, talk to me. Y'all paying attention, right? How many men did he have? 318 trained men. Didn't I say there were like four different <laughs> kingdoms involved in this fight? So here it is once again where God is taking just a few people. Watch this. Who are trained and getting victory. Let's keep reading it. And he'd even divide them up. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember Gideon? How many did he have? 
and he ended up on the battlefield dividing them up. Now watch this. There he divided his men and attacked during the night. Kedor Laomer's army fled, but Abram chased them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. Abram recovered all the goods that had been taken. How much of the goods? All. What does all mean? How much is left after all? He recovered all the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. After Abram returned from his victory over Kedor Laomer and all his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the Valley of Shaving. That is the king's valley. Y'all hear that? The king of Sodom went out to meet him. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God Most High, brought Abram some bread and wine, communion elements. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High. Somebody say El Elyon. Creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High. Somebody say El Elyon. Who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. He gave him what? Somebody say a tithe. It's the first place, praise God, where you see a tithe even mentioned in the Bible. So when people try to tell you, well, tithing was under the law. Tithing was under the law. When they say the law, they're talking about the law of Moses. Moses was years, decades from from coming on the scene. This was done by Abram. Hello? Long before Moses even hit the scene. Long before the law of Moses. So when a person tells you, well, tie them again in the law, they haven't read the Bible. They don't know what they're talking about. So, but, but watch this. Y'all look at me. But don't argue with people. I don't argue the Bible. I don't debate the Bible. I'll show you what the Bible says, and at that point, you believe what you want to. But the Bible's not to be debated. It's not to be argued. So the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give back my people who were captured. But you may keep for yourself all the goods you have recovered. Can you imagine what kind of spoil that was? It was huge. Abram replied to the king of Sodom, I solemnly swear to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take so much as a single thread or sandal thong from what belongs to you. Otherwise, you might say, I am the one who made Abram rich. I will accept only what my young warriors have already eaten, and I request that you give a fair share of the goods to my allies, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre. Here you have an example of a person, praise God, who has decided to make God only his source. He had an opportunity to take all the spoil. Everything that he recovered, he had an opportunity to keep it. But this man would not receive anything from the king of Sodom. He says, man, the King James Version says, I've lifted up my hand unto the Lord. He turned on a huge spoil, watch this, refusing to compromise his stance of making God his only source. Refusing to compromise 
his stance of making God his only source. Now, hear me clear. The enemy will definitely tempt us if we lean to our own understanding. He'll tempt us to do what? To start relying on other sources instead of God only. Come on, y'all. He'll do that. Anybody ever been tempted to make somebody else your source beside God? Because you might have been in a tight spot. And watch this. And you start thinking about how you can do other things or rely on other people to make things happen. Come on, talk to me. That's a temptation of the enemy. But when you make God your only source, watch this. You're looking to him to make a way for you. The God that we serve is a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. He's a way maker. Amen. You can't lead to your own understanding, y'all. Abram made a decision. That's what it boils down to, making a decision to make God your only source. Even when you can't see how it can happen, trust him in the middle of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel chapter 17, go there. 1 Samuel 17. Hallelujah. And I don't care how long you've been walking with God or how strong of a Christian you think you are, you are not exempt from Satan tempting you to look at some other source. Are y'all here? Amen. Amen. How can you say that, Bishop? Because I deal with it all the time. All the time. I deal with it all the time. Praise God. There's not a single thing, not a single thing, not a single project, praise God, that we have done this ministry, praise God, where the devil did not try to tempt me to use some other source of supply. But watch this. I remember Numbers 23 and 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Nor the son of man he should repent. Hath he said? And shall he not do what he said? And hath he spoken? And shall not he not make what he's spoken good? I have to remind myself of that. Watch this. You have to remind yourself of that. If you're not going to succumb to the temptation to look at some other source. And you got to remind yourself, praise God, of all the times that God came through for you. It's okay to rehearse what God has done. In fact, that's the time to rehearse what God has done. Amen. Now, you're 1 Samuel yet? 17. In 1 Samuel 17, basically, what you see is the account of this Philistine who was a nine-foot, nine-inch giant. He was huge. This guy was almost as tall as a basketball rim, regulation basketball rim. (laughs) He was huge. 
And he came out, and he came out spewing all kind of stuff and challenging the armies of Israel. The Bible says, you know, he would say stuff like, I defy the armies of Israel. I defy and curse you by your God. The word defy here, if you look it up in the literal Hebrew translation, the word defy means I challenge you to do something deemed impossible. So in other words, he said, just send one man out here to fight me. And if he beats me, we'll serve y'all. If I beat him, y'all serve us. He said, I defy you by your God. In other words, that is an impossibility for any man to come out here and beat me. So I'm going to challenge you to do that. And the Bible says all the armies of Israel became terrified and scared, saying stuff like, have you seen this guy who's come up? And he did it every day. Amen. And then the shepherd boy shows up on the scene by the name of David. And David hears what he says. And David was like, what? He says, what did he say? He's looking at the soldiers like, and y'all ain't doing nothing about this? What's wrong with y'all? He says, is there not a cause? Isn't there a reason why y'all out here? He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? In other words, who is this guy? This guy does not have a covenant with God. But we do. Let me say that again. This guy does not have a covenant with God, but we do. Right. Now, put a marker right here. I want to show you something real quick. I want you to go back to uh, Psalm, the 118th division. Keep a marker right here. We're coming right back. David said, this uncircumcised Philistine has no relationship with God, but we do. And when we have relationship with God, guess what? Guess what we are dealing with? Psalm 118, stanza six. We're gonna read that out loud together. Got it? If you don't have it, it's up on the screen. Got it? Got it. Ready? Read. The Lord is on my side. That's a question mark, right? What can man do unto me. When the Lord is on my side, what can man do unto me? David said, this is an uncircumcised Philistine who has no relationship with God, but we do. Know what that means? That means the Lord is on our side. So we shouldn't have to fear what a man can do to me. Because when God is on your side, a man can't do anything to you. And when? Now go back to 1 Samuel 17. I'm just kind of setting it up. So now that you know the account, now you know the, the context of 1 Samuel 17, let's take a look at verse 37. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he, had, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Saul armed David with his armor, put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he assayed to go. 
for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a script, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Oh, my God. And y'all know the rest of the story. The Lord turned what this man threw as a stone. He turned a slingshot thrown stone into a laser guided missile. (laughs) That ended up, the Bible says, in the center of his forehead. What's the point here? The point is, I'm going to take you back, pay close attention. Because we're talking about making God our only source. David would not take Saul's armor. Why? Because he did not want that armor to become his source. In other words, he didn't want to depend on that armor as being the thing that could cause him to have the victory. He was fully persuaded. Somebody say fully persuaded. That he could trust God to be his source and give him the victory. Now let me ask you a question. This man, the Bible says, if you, if you read, and uh, Pastor Tony did this teaching uh, probably about a year ago or so, a year and a half ago. She did a, a detailed study of this, this whole story here. And she talked about, uh, and she went through the armor, and we didn't read it for time's sake, but all the armor that Goliath had on. He had so much armor that he was covered from head to toe, you couldn't see anything other than the armor. And then not only did he, was he covered from head to toe in the armor, the Bible says he had an armor bearer in front of him with a shield. See, see, people don't tell that side of the story a lot of times. But if you read the Bible, you'll see that not only was he out there covered from head to toe, but there was a man in front of him with a shield. Read it for yourself. Now, he's talking all big and bad, but he got somebody out in front of him with a shield. And he's covered from head to toe. That alone lets you know how supernatural that stone was. Because that probably was the only part of his whole body that was exposed. Wow. But, but Saul, when Saul offered him the armor, that seemed like a really good idea, didn't it? Okay, you getting ready to go out here and fight this nine foot, nine inch giant who's already armored up and this is a man of war? It will stand a reason in conventional warfare you have to put on armor, right? So it seemed like a good idea to put that armor on and to go out against God's enemy. But David was on an assignment from God. Y'all didn't get what I said. I said, but David was on an assignment from God. It wasn't by chance or by accident that David showed up there. He was on an assignment from God. Are y'all listening to me? And when God gives us an assignment, we are not to look to our own resources. Amen. 
When God gives us an assignment, if we look at our own resources, guess what it will do? It will cause us to hesitate and maybe even go back and not even go because we won't have enough to get the job done. Why are you teaching stuff like this, Bishop? I tell y'all, man, every time I come preach to y'all, it's because the Holy Ghost has preached to me. Are y'all listening to me? I don't care how many projects we have and how many times God comes through. With the next project, guess what's going to come along with it? We ain't got enough. (laughs) We ain't got enough to do this. It always has. It's always come along with stuff that we've done. Hello? But every time I show up with my faith, God shows me something big. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I can't tell you what it did for me to walk up, to drive up here today, praise God, and see the first light on in front of the academy. Light pole up there, the lights. This time next week, they'll all be up. How'd you do that? Faith. Believe in God. Watch this. Even though you don't know how it's going to happen. But how often does he just come through? Glory to God. John Peake, he had a song years ago. Say it again. Will it come through? And they will respond what? Every time. When will he come through? Every time. I got that question for you. When will he come through? Every time. I'm talking about your life. Let me ask you again. When will he come through? Every time. Say that again. He'll come through every time on time. I like that. That was the Holy Ghost. For sure. See, David was on assignment from God. So he wasn't looking to any other resource other than God. That's why he wouldn't take the armor. Amen. And I'm sure everybody was looking at him like, are you crazy? When God gives us a mission, we ought to just say, yes, sir, and receive the assignment, not knowing how he's going to supply, but having the confidence and faith that he will. Are y'all still here? Whatever we need, God can provide. Let me say it again. Whatever we need, God can provide. Let me say it a third time. Whatever we need, God can provide. I'm going to say it a fourth time. Whatever we need, God can provide. How many know he never runs out? (laughs) 
That's why Philippians 4.19 tells us, but my God shall supply all your need, not according to how much money you got in the bank, but according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How many know God don't run out? God doesn't run out. He's got unlimited supply. We got to get to a place where God becomes our only source of expectation. We don't put our trust in men. We don't put our trust in men's systems. We don't put our trust in our own intellect. We don't put our own trust in our own ability. We put our trust in God, watch this, and him alone. Amen, amen, and amen. Learn how to make God your only source of supply. I'm going to come back with the rest of the teaching, praise God. I got more. I got more. Anybody want to hear more than that? I got more. I'll come back, praise God. I got some more examples I want to show you in the Word of God of people who decided to make God their only supply. What I want to encourage everybody here tonight to do is after you've heard this teaching, praise God, guess what? Make a decision to make God your only supply. Make a decision to make him your only source of supply. Regardless of what you feel, regardless of what you think, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what people say, make a decision to make God your only source of supply. Turn to somebody right now next to you. Say this to them. Say, neighbor, make a decision to make God your only source of supply. Turn to somebody else. Say this to them. Say, neighbor, you make a decision to make God your only source of supply. Stay on your feet with me and let's praise God. And let's, let's thank him for this word we got tonight. I believe this helps somebody. I hear a couple of y'all, but let me hear more of y'all giving God praise. He can supply. All you got to do is just make him your supply. He can supply. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He can supply. That's the reason, y'all. That's the reason. You don't let, you don't let. You don't allow yourself to be limited by your salary on your job. Unless you've made that job your source. Now, if you made that job your source, then. But if you made God your only source of supply, guess what? God can cause whatever salary you have, praise God, to multiply. Well, I don't know how that's going to happen. You don't need to. 
Let me say it again. You don't need to. Because the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. The farmer who plants seed, he don't know how it grows up. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says he puts that seed in the ground, praise God. He knoweth not how it's going to bring forth a harvest, but all he does is goes to bed and gets up and prays the Lord. Because he knows, praise God, that, that sowing that seed is going to produce a harvest. So he goes to bed, he gets up, and he praises the Lord every day. He goes to bed, he gets up, and he praises the Lord. Then one day, here comes the blade. <laughs> then the ear. Then the full corn in the ear. The Bible says that when the harvest has come, he putteth in the sickle because the harvest has come. Glory to God. We must make God our only source of supply. And trust him to do it. Jesus said, take no thought for your life. But you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's lift our hands one more time and thank God for the word tonight. Thank you, Father, so much for what you've done tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for confirming your word tonight through your word. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We trust you, God. We trust you. We trust you, Jesus. We trust you, Father God. We trust you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for it, Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Well, heads about eyes are closed, please. Heads about eyes are closed, please.